sports yet? One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, Drew Douglas. You are kind of dealing with a lot. Well, you're not kind of. You are dealing with a lot right now because everything that you have grown to know has been turned upside down like a Saw movie. I am unemployed. And uh, <laughs> for a reason, I mean, we are moving out of state. We're moving to uh, from Missouri to Tennessee. And everything that I own is in boxes or just all over the place. You don't realize how much garbage you own <laughs> until you have to transport it uh, 12 hours away. So after talking about that, you're boxing things up. You've, you're looking back on the years of collecting various items. Is... Is it something where it makes you fully come to terms with just how much you've collected or not necessarily? Because I'm sure you've you've like tucked certain things away and you've just forgotten about a lot of things, right? I, I you know those Funko Pops? Mm-hmm. We have uh, we have a storage unit. I have two large boxes full, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I have about 70 or 80 of those things. But they it, you have a little regret. Like, why did I spend money on this? Because they're sitting in storage. I don't want that. It's crazy because while while you're going through that, I've helped my mom and dad with some just minor moving. And it's just, they have had and collected through the years a ton of VHS tapes. And it's like, now, what are you doing with this besides other than using them as props? Like, you can't do anything with them. Well, congratulations. That's that's a lot of fun. It's exciting, I'm sure, but also you are filled with a lot of nervous feelings in terms of just the unknown <laughs> of moving and, and all of that stuff. But that'll be that'll be fun. So I'm excited to to hear how it turns out. But that also means unfortunately, this is our swan song. It's very, it's very similar to whenever I ended up, uh, I know whenever I moved um, just to state over and uh, it was our swan song, but this is swan, swan song part two. But not literally, because we're still going to do this. Yeah. Uh, at least this time, it's going to be a supersized episode and we're going to do a loves hates for not just one, not just two, but three brand new movies and... There are two of these movies that are streaming and also available in theaters right now. And the other one is a theater-only release for the time being. We are covering Those Who Wish Me Dead, a Warner Brothers slash HBO Max film, Spiral from the Book of Saw, the theater-only film from Lionsgate. And then we have, last but not least, Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's Snyder Cut, 
zombie film for Netflix. I just say it'll be interesting going into details for all of these movies. But let's start off with the brand new, as I said, Warner Brothers slash HBO Max film, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Hey, stop. I'm not going to hurt you. I want to see where the blood's coming from. It's not my blood. You in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? My dad said, if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? Those Who Wish Me Dead tells the story of a teenage murder witness finding himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wilderness with a survival expert tasked with protecting him and a forest fire threatening consume to consume them all. So, this is a new movie directed by Taylor... Good grief! This is a new movie directed by Taylor Sheridan, also written by Taylor Sheridan. And he shares the writing credits with Michael Corriata and Charles Levitt. This movie stars Angelina Jolie, who's been kind of absent from a lot of mainstream movies outside of the Maleficent realm. We also have Nicholas Holt, Tyler Perry, and the one and only John Bernthal. Let's go ahead off the top and cover Loves Hates. Drew, what are your feelings? Loves Hates on Those Who Wish Me Dead. I'll say low-level loves. When did this come up? May 14th here, about mm -hmm. a week ago. I think we sat and watched this at home. Uh, I haven't really thought about it at all since. Yeah. It's interesting because you got to see this movie before I did. And you said, you described it perfectly, I think. It's a an entertaining yet one-and-done experience. I think there's a, a, a decent performance from Joe Lee. I like John Bernthal in it, in it a lot more than I would have expected. Uh, Nicholas Holt's good, and I do like seeing Tyler Perry, though he's only in this for like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. I think ultimately, and they kind of keep the mystery vague as to why these assassins are after uh, this father and eventually his son. And by the end of it, I was like, I don't even care. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, sadly. And it's very much so a movie that's like, mm, it's it's like, okay. Um, I'll say that among the three movies, there is a tier system. And this movie is right in the middle. Uh, it's very just okay. A lot of okay things about it. And because of that reason, I have to go hates. It just, um, I wouldn't say that there are things that I really hate about it. There are a few things that just didn't really connect with me or rather keep me interested. And I feel the same way. I really haven't thought a lot about this, nor have I really wanted to think much about it after the fact. But I've wanted to ask you, though, with Angelina Jolie being in this role, back to kind of this action role, what did you think about her and the performance that she she gave? I mean, she was fine. I always kind of forget that she, I don't want to say started out as an action star, but she was Laura Croft at one point. So it's, it's interesting to see her kind of go back into this sandbox and she's got Eternals coming up later this year, which is a Marvel film. It feels 
kind of like a more of a nostalgia factor, I think, where we're going back to some of the older films that she has been in. Not, I can't say like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but at least it's nice to see her do something that I guess we knew her as for at one time. Although, like you said, it seems like her, the, the reputation of her has just shifted in terms of who she is as an actress. And I guess the movies that we see her in uh, going forward. I will say I love John Bernthal being in this more than what I was expecting because I was worried he'd basically have a Tyler Perry role and he would just be in there for one scene and that's all. But that's always good when we get more Johnny B. I was talking with, uh, actually have talked with several about this in terms of how Taylor Sheridan is basically taking on kind of like this modern day Clint Eastwood role where he's telling these modern Westerns. Um, You know, he's done a lot of uh, stories based in this kind of setting where we have the wilderness, such as Wyoming um, or the uh, 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 show Yellowstone and then the upcoming series that's the spinoff. And then we've also got Hell or High Water. And the one kind of outlier, it seems, is Without Remorse, which it sucks because there are two movies back to back of his that are just like, okay. Yeah, neither of these I don't think are great. Um, they're not bad movies, though. Yeah. It, it's no hell or high water. I mean, that's like the benchmark for me. And then uh, sure. he wrote Sicario, which I think is a good movie. And then yeah. he wrote uh, the second Sicario. And he also did Wind River, wrote and directed that, which I think is underrated. Another film that has Johnny B in it, along with uh, Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. That's in Wyoming, too. So he does these films that are, yeah, set in areas that I don't think are represented in the film a lot, which I like. Mm -hmm. Like Montana, like how many films are done in Montana or take place in Montana? I thought the setting itself uh, was 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 a good character. Yeah. Because I don't think about going to Montana and apparently that is a place where people go, you know, <laughs> like Ben Affleck and J-Lo, as we talked about <laughs> in our last podcast. Yeah. So it, I do like I do like his choice of settings and just being away from the city, being away mm-hmm. from people. And it's it, it acts as a character of its own. Yeah. When I was talking to um, one of our friends and longtime listeners, Jesse, earlier about Taylor. I was looking under his free and acting credentials. And whenever I saw that, I'm like, he didn't write this. This is weird. I'm like, oh, of course. He he's also an actor. Yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's move to Spiral from the book of Saw. Spiral tells the story of a criminal mastermind who unleashes a twisted form of justice and a terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw. This movie was released on May 14th, only in theaters from Lionsgate, and it comes from the mind of Chris Rock, who approached the studio and said, I've got this idea, a new way to take uh, Saw, the franchise, and he was wanting to kind of have his own spin on it, and that I found to be interesting, although he does not have any of the writing credits. That belongs to Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger, and this was directed to Darren Bowsman, 
who is a longtime Saw director. Uh, he's directed most of the films, actually. Movie stars Chris Rock and most notably Samuel L. Jackson. So quick off the top, loves, hates for Spiral. Uh, loves it. And I want to say that I think on the last podcast, I said Dan Lynn Bozeman was responsible for, for basically all of the Saw films. Mm-hmm. He's only done um, two, three, four, and then Spiral. So I misspoke. I apologize to Darren. And uh, <laughs> I just wanted to point that out because I was complaining, you know, if Chris Rock has this idea to bring back Jigsaw, bring back this franchise, revive it. He's got a new take on it. Why would you bring back the guy that directed most of the films? I was incorrect. <laughs> I still wish they would have maybe gone somewhere else, but this movie does set itself apart from all of those previous eight films. I would say visually, that's one of the the bigger standouts. Uh, we still get some of that jumpiness whenever it boils down to the um, the death scenes, and it's kind of the setup, and also seeing if the victims are going to get out of the trap, what their decisions are uh, during that sequence. We see some of the sped up um, edits that we've come to know from the Saw movies, but there's definitely a lot different about this movie i will say one other stat that i like to share is this movie spiral was made for the same amount of money as those who wish me dead what do you think the budget is if if you're to take 20 million dollars yep exactly well give or take a few million but yeah 20 million dollars um i'm gonna say hates for this movie oh my goodness really not a fan Wow. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I I would say in the very beginning, I think that itself was very interesting because it was. You said that it made you laugh. It was. It definitely caught me off guard because I was expecting this movie to be something totally different. Once we have that opening, basically gag reel with Chris Rock, and then it shifts into what the movie ends up being. Um, I will say that it seems like one of the most inspired Saw movies as of recent, but I, man, I just, I'd say like maybe after the first, um, when we get into the police station and it's like Chris Rock taking over as lead detective, I really started to drop off with this movie. I didn't care after a while. And it's like, I kind of wanted to rather have just watch the death scenes online as a compilation rather than finish the movie. <laughs> wow. I do like the beginning. It's, you know, we're introduced to rock and it's basically uh, turned into a Beverly Hills cop film where we have this five minute bit about Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, it shifts into what it is. I do think this movie is just absolutely riddled with cliches that we've seen a million times before (laughs) it is uh, a different take on the franchise even though it rips from so many other films i like that this feels ultimately different Mm -hmm. and it's not a perfect film i do wonder replay value if i'm gonna like it as much Mm. but it was 90 minutes it went by quick i think the um the twist ending is pretty obvious because they laid in thick and 
uh, Chris Rock, yay or nay? Did you like him? Actually, I did. That's that's the one thing that I kind of dug about this movie in terms of seeing him in this. I don't. I'm not. I don't know if he was good. Like when he's upset, I'm like, I don't know if I buy this. Yeah. I don't think that the deaths didn't seem as gruesome as the ones that I've seen. I feel like they actually reined it in a little bit, which is good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that overall the kills it. I, I like this being a, a copycat killer that's baked into the, basically the police, the force of the police force, the detectives uh, who happens to be Chris Rock's partner. And I thought that was interesting how they ended the movie too where they both lived i was not expecting that to happen it it does feel like it's step in a different direction it makes me wonder if they continue with this movie which i can't imagine that they wouldn't um make i don't know what you do though does he go after another department does he find more people that have wronged him because this is such a personal thing yeah well and that's the other thing with especially with having um, this movie it feels like a the original saw but on steroids because we end up having yet another uh, police officer or detective and then we have the ending like you said it kind of reflects the same as the first saw um, and if we'll kind of get a retread if there is a second movie and Chris Rock returns, but he dies like in the opening moments of uh, Spiral 2, if there is one. But yeah, I, I'd i be interested to see if like Chris Rock is inspired by another story or something else to tell with this going forward. But it's hard for me to imagine this franchise dying. All right, now let's move on to our main entree, Army of the Dead. You ready to play? There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it on. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. Army of the Dead follows a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas and a group of mercenaries who take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist in Sin City. So Army of the Dead is from the brilliant mind of Zack Snyder, dropped on May 21st on Netflix. This is a movie written and directed by Zack Snyder. Also sharing the writing credit credit with Snyder is Shay Hayton and Joby Harold. This movie has quite the cast with Dave Bautista. We've also got um, Garrett Dillahunt and most notably a big change up on the roster with Tig Notario. What do you think about this? Because this is wildly different from his Dawn of the Dead movie Loves hates for Army of the Dead. This is a high loves for me. This this was a lot of fun. This is definitely bringing it up again uh, since I had two hates with movies. It's weird. I didn't think I would end up saying that, but 
Uh, yeah, this this movie was awesome. I got to ask, did this live up to the hype? Mostly. Seeing a zombie outbreak, and especially in Vegas, I think that was the most interesting aspect of this uh, movie, in my opinion, because I started thinking, well, we've never seen, at least I can't recall seeing a zombie movie in Vegas. And we've had, though, um, smart zombies before, but we've never seen different types like these uh, this hierarchy of zombies, uh, but which is a good idea. Yeah, I think there's so much in here to a fault that it's like we wanted. We could learn so much about how this evolution started, and we're only scratching the surface with mm-hmm. this film, which could be a complaint that I I could see people having in that there's no explanation for this evolution of what becomes of these. But sure. we know they're doing a prequel. I would imagine they're going to do a sequel because this is going to do well. And they've established something with this movie that they can create essentially their own Walking Dead universe, their mm-hmm. own zombie universe. Do you like that this movie, this outbreak started? Uh, I mean, we just can blame oral sex. <laughs> like, was that, did you like the intro to this film and how this eventually spreads? Yeah. Or I was mean- that too silly for you? No, 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 I mean, not not necessarily. I mean, the thing is, this is very, um, it's very reminiscent of Return of the Living Dead with how it begins. And it reminded me of that so much. This movie has, and it's funny because I listened to an interview with Snyder. He talked about what inspired him for this movie. And one of my favorite movies, Escape from New York, you can tell where it borrows from those elements. And with that, I think that like him giving nods to those pieces of work made me like this movie even more. But the fact that it begins like return of the living dead, another favorite of mine, it's, it's just fun. It's, I felt like it was cool. Um, It's one of those where moments it's like Snyder went there with it, but he, it just seemed like he had fun with it. And that's the thing that, you know, I felt like was the best takeaway. I th- you, you said the, the movie is fun. I think it's fun because the characters, there's so many characters in this film that I thought were cool, man. I want to spend more time with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And it was usually you have one or two. This movie, I felt like there was like four or five people I wouldn't mind venturing off in spinoff mode with. And again, spoiler territory here. One issue you could have is literally everybody dies, but like one person. Yeah. And is that, I mean, is that good or bad? Because I I want, we know we're getting a prequel with uh, Dieter, who's the German safe cracker. But it's like these other characters, I wanted more time with Amari Hardwork's character. Mm-hmm. Or Bat- even Batista's like, we could we could have more adventures with these people, but they're gone. I, uh, you know, that's the funny thing. I do. <clears throat> here's a, here's another thing that I, I actually really like about this movie is that when a, we get stories like this, where it's basically the Suicide Squad or the Rogue One, where it's a suicide mission. You literally, and they're they're expecting that to happen. I kind of like that because going against this, where it's like all bets are off, they 
literally do that for this where you can't do anything unless you do a prequel or you do, you know, like this animated series that Snyder's talking about doing with Netflix in terms of covering the zombie outbreak in Vegas, what that looks like leading up to it and then during that and then the opening days. But um, I, uh, I, I dig that though. And there were certain people like, Batista, I wanted to spend more time with him. I wanted to spend more time with Scott Ward, his character, or his daughter, Kate, to find out what it's like on the front lines, or um, especially some of these, uh, finding out more about Bly and like what's what was he up to whenever the zombie outbreak happened? Was he maybe in, uh, somehow connected with why this happened in the first place? I don't know. There, there are a lot of questions that... It makes me interested, but it also, I kind of like that element where it is so isolated in the story that it makes you think about this movie more after the fact. Um, and what may be very surface level, I think it adds to that for that reason. But I, there's something about those types of stories where it's like, we may not come out alive and they don't. That's like, wow, that actually lived up to kind of what they were teasing and foreshadowing to. I, I mean, I guess I guess I got questions about, did you like the ending for one, basically killing everybody off, which we just talked about. But the stinger with Amari's character, it, it's the ending, but it is the stinger, I think, because we think he's got gotten away with the cash. Mm-hmm. He's heading to Mexico City and on this private plane, he starts feeling ill and you know what's coming He's been bit somewhere Mm -hmm. and he's at that point, basically our lone survivor. And he's just basically now taking this virus to Mexico city. I I wanted somebody to live on. I do wonder though, if we're setting up the sequel where he is the new like alpha zombie. Yeah, I think so. I, I really do. I think he was bitten by, the alpha guy and the fact that he is going to go to Mexico city. And from that point, we're going to get, if there is a sequel, it will be set in Mexico city. Um, which would be interesting. I was thinking about that once this ended, how I would feel about a sequel set in Mexico city. And I don't know. It's like, I guess we'd have to see when, if that would ever get here, but I just like the backdrop of Las Vegas being like totally obliterated and like what you would see as a fun place is now just like a level of hell. <laughs> um, really fascinating. But I, I do think that it, that's the case. And that's, I guess, the takeaway at the very end. That's really the only next level next. Because I thought he was going to, Omar's character was going to uh, going back to kill Bly. I thought he was going to fly in, take the money, but and show him. I don't him. think he, he doesn't really even know. I guess he does know what happened, but how did, yeah. how did he get out of the vault for one? And then wouldn't he just be, he survives, he gets out, but he would be just full of radiation, right? Yeah. Because he that, came out, and, and I'm thinking, if he survived that, why didn't they all just get into the bunker and escape? after the fact and just stay yeah that's that's what i was thinking too because i'm like i see when as soon as dieter pushed him and i thought okay he's going to 
basically pull a uh, what is that? Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, yeah. where he jumps in the fridge and the place gets nuked and he survives. That's what happened here, more or less. And I mean, yeah, could he have opened that from the inside? I don't really think I so. I don't even know if you could. Yeah. I, and my other big complaint with this film, there's a level of seriousness to it, which I like. And the relationships are at least between Scott Ward, Batista, and his daughter. There's 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 a story there. There's a relationship element, and then with some of the other characters, but with Kate, she has this like spinoff B story about basically the border crisis is like an allegory for the Mexico U.S. border. I'm like, oh my god, like do we need <laughs> that? At a two at two and a half hours, I don't think this movie felt long, mm-hmm. but there are plots in here that I could have done without, and that is a yeah. big one, like the whole Kate thing. Ultimately, it, it was just a sidetrack that I did not care at all about. That It's interesting that you say that because I think there are certain things that we could get through this movie that you don't even touch on that aspect. And we already get. Um, and I think Romero, it's interesting that maybe Snyder trying to bite off a little bit more because Romero always focused on one major aspect and that was it in his dead films um for uh land of the dead which was his final attached to those that was about class and uh what living in certain socioeconomic statuses what that means for society and he put that in the backdrop of zombies and by the way that's the movie that this most reminded me of of his because that's where the zombies organize together and they move in on the city to try to take it you know for an mvp it's tough to narrow it down i think i have mine like you said it's tough but yeah i i've got well i think i'm going to narrow it down it may be surprising i will say it was really fascinating also looking at the influence of social media and how, like where that would be if there was a zombie outbreak. And we got a taste of that with Raul Castillo's character, uh, Guzman, and his partner in crime, Samantha Wynn, who plays Chambers. She's the first death that we get. I think that it's the most, one of the most badass deaths and battles. And it's one of the early, the early on it happens. I have to say, She's got to be my MVP. I, there's something about her. She didn't last long, but... She did not, no. She reminded me of a character of from like James Cameron's Aliens. I think this movie yeah. feels like, you know, if he was still making those movies, this might be something that he did. Ooh, It felt like a throwback Cameron film. Not as good. But I also like the fact that they're a team. They go in as a team, and then they die together. But... Man, Omari was cool. O- Omari was was just really awesome. I was really hoping that he would end up surviving. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, Tig's character, who's the helicopter pilot, was brought in, and all of her scenes were shot after the fact. She did not shoot with any of the actors because she replaced um, another actor over um, some of the... Uh, Oh, what is it? Uh, he, he was sexually harassing women, allegedly. Okay. So he got canned. Rightfully so, was removed from the film. Tig steps in. 
does it all with Snyder, is digitally added to it, and she freaking rocks. Yeah, she was awesome. I know in a few interviews, she was talking about how she was scared to play this type of role. I thought she did great. Uh, I wonder through that, like if there were there were a lot of moments of improv with her where she would just like go off. Um, I figured they probably gave her what was originally done um, script wise. I would hope they would let her do her own thing and not have to do what he did. Yeah. You know, make it her own a little bit. I got to say, I've never followed her very much in her career. This makes me want to watch more of her stuff. Going back to Amari real quick, I like it. And I don't think this means anything. But he's kind of this philosopher and he brings up this idea and I just, he's channeling Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse with Lost or you could argue Stephen King. It's it's we're living the same thing over and over again. It's some sick joke because they come across these dead <laughs> soldiers and he's like throwing out this idea that maybe that's us. Maybe we've done this before and we keep being brought back to do the same thing over and over over and over again. I don't think that means anything in this universe. I don't think it's real. But I love the idea that he's this muscle that also is super intelligent. It's funny you bring that up because I think that touched on something which would be interesting. And I wondered, I wonder if Snyder is going down this more or less this multiverse of in a zombie movie. How crazy would that be? And of course it's not, but I, I mean, we don't know. True. It, I don't think it is. But I feel like when they go over, we're getting flashes of our characters and we're seeing the bodies. I swear one of the characters is wearing it's the same necklace that Maria Cruz is wearing. That's actually, now that you're talking about that, it's very interesting. I mean, I'm going to I'm I'm going to chalk it up to not being what's happening, but that is a scene that it finished and I instantly hit rewind. It adds to this, that's for sure. Like that was that was something. There there were a lot of various moments of dialogue that hooked me more, and yeah, it was fun, but it was also fun to think about it after the fact. And beyond that, I think there's enough ground that Snyder could end up expanding upon this. And whether it's with this group of mercenaries, which, by the way, I was going to ask, did you like that they were known as Lost uh, Vengeance? Was it Lost Vengeance? Um, their group on their name tag or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I. You know what? Even if it's not real, even if this isn't some time loop thing, it's just the idea that he, Bly, this person that sets this thing in the motion, is just continually organizing these missions that never work. Yeah. And yeah, there is more to explore with that. There's more to explore with so much of this that I think it's interesting that they've set up this universe the way they have. I think perhaps the other interesting way of thinking about it too is what if this was all like kind of a simulation like the Matrix and the world is dealing with an outbreak and they're trying to find the ultimate mercenary crew to go in and i don't know rescue those which is like the government uh, you know it's maybe cdc uh, world health leader something like that where it's it's likely going to be a suicide mission but they're trying to find those who actually survive um i don't know that's that's fascinating to think about because they could expand on it in that way and i mean i hope they don't 
I don't want to go in that direction because I feel like if you do that, you're taking away from the deaths in this film. Like it doesn't mean sure. as much if this is a simulation. Like it needs yeah. to mean something, which is why the deaths are, I think, good in that regard because it, it's it it adds a level of seriousness to whatever it mm-hmm. is because there are high stakes. But I could have used one or two more survivors. So let me ask you, there are two two big questions here. Uh, one, did you think it was too long? No. I like mean, I we said, can trim some of this plot. I don't like sure. the Kate border plot. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That Anytime it w- got back to Kate, a lot of that felt like it was dragging to me. I never got out of it, but it started to drag. The other question, what did you think about Zack Snyder as the director of photography here, not only directing the movie, but the one behind the camera shooting it. I mean, it looked like a Snyder film. So whether he's behind it or not, I don't think it necessarily matters. Yeah. I found it very interesting that a lot of their close-ups, especially during conversations, he uses a camera, different lenses. And I, I, I was able to pick up on that and I felt like it added to it. And I think down the road, there are going to be a lot of things about this movie, technically speaking, that's going to pull you in more. And I'm going to notice more and more, which I think is is great and, re- and really cool. It makes me want to watch it on the big screen because I think there would be a lot to take away from this movie. Um, this is definitely one that uh, I wish it's not playing anywhere here, but yeah. this would be this is a good theatrical experience, I think. Mm-hmm. Now. There's one thing that left me in question of, and it's one of my few complaints. Did they ever say the time period, like how much time went from the beginning of the film, the intro to the outbreak to when the mercenaries go in? I'd imagine it had to be a fairly decent amount of time because they they go fight the zombies off. Vegas is basically quarantined. These characters go off and have different jobs. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's it's years down the line from outbreak to this. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe longer. Did you like they they don't ever mention the president's name, but they talk about how he wants to blow up Vegas and it'll be like this amazing Fourth of July <laughs> spectacle, like one of the best you've ever seen. And you know who they're talking about. <laughs> it was just like this is the most obvious thing. Uh, I thought that was funny. Here's the thing, I, you know, even though Snyder did that. That makes me miss the fact that, and especially in Carpenter movies, this is very that's very much so a Carpenter thing, where he makes the presidents or world leaders look like big doofuses. The uh, I, you know, it's it made me laugh, and I'm like, we need more movies where the president's name is never insinuated, or we never even see what doesn't even need to look like one of the presidents. But just the fact that they say or do things and it's like, it makes you laugh. But sadly, now we can look at that and say, huh, there's so much truth to that. <laughs> I like they're, they're watching that and there's a shot of Batista just like shaking his head because he can't believe what the president <laughs> said. Oh, man, that's it. It really makes me uh, hope that maybe we get to see more of that president down the road. I No, I like the idea that we don't. It's like we know what it is, but um, music <laughs> using this, Snyder likes to do a lot of, of cover songs. Yeah. Um, 
he ends with not a cover song, but the Cranberry Zombie. Mm-hmm. Two on the nose or no? Okay. Actually, it was fine. It it was one of those I didn't like um, love it. I didn't hate it. And it wasn't right in between. I would say it's in the like range. I, I don't know who, if he's in charge of the music or not, because he always has music where I question whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, or whether it fits what's going on on screen, but <laughs> like he definitely loves his covers. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because with that, I'm glad that you're bringing that up because one thing throughout this movie with the needle drops, it was, um, it it made me question the same as like you said, if this is a decision that he like in the middle of the night wakes up and he's like, Oh my gosh, I just listened to this earlier today and I got to put it in army of the dead. Or if he works and collaborates with others, because it's, I don't know. I, that's a creative choice that I can't quite pin down if I like it or if I just hate it. (laughs) I feel like he has spoken about this before where he says he uses covers because it gives people a chance to uh basically he it's an exposure thing like mm. somebody that's covered something he's giving he's like putting that out there to boost their career okay. i feel like that's what he said before i could be wrong i could be making that up i don't know about that uh because there are, throughout his movies he does that and here i think it was okay uh whenever he used it i didn't uh i didn't hate anything by any means but I think this entire movie felt, and nothing, this is not knocking it, but it felt like a cover because it reminded me of so many different movies, but I I liked that it was its own movie and it had enough to make it its own movie. Like what you were saying with Omari's, uh, what he said, um, with basically recruiting this mission and the way that they did it. Um, The fact that it's walled off and it's, just isolated in terms of this is the the quarantine zone but i I, there's a lot to love here i think so of of the three movies we talked about this is the one i would recommend everyone to see before the other two movies i mean i think we went in order of our loves those is just okay spot well now you you really didn't like spiral you that could be your least favorite but yeah i would say for me as these three films it just I think each one is better than the previous one. They're all very different from one another, but that's okay. This is this is definitely, um, unless I'm missing something, the best big release this year, I would mm-hmm. say. It has to be. But speaking of critical reception, let's talk about the Rotten Tomatoes game because uh, you ended up kicking my butt to a degree on this round. I think almost on all three of these movies that we did, I got really close to every single one of them. And we know that you biffed Army of the Dead. Oh, big time. I'm glad I did. You guessed 18%. I said 68%. It's 72%. Ooh. So big fat W for me. (laughs) Spiral, what's that? What what did we end up on that? So you guessed 53%. I guessed. 29%. The <laughs> actual is 
37%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That dropped significantly because that was around 56% last time I checked. Yeah, it's, it's So you win that one. So it's one and one. Wow, uh, I I apologize. I really thought I had nailed all three. I I'm, that dropped a lot. I'm shocked by that. Okay. Well, uh, get ready because it comes back in your favor. For those who wish me dead, you guessed 67%. I went with a very mediocre 45%. And, well, I would say that's failing. But uh, actual 60%. So you only missed it by 70%. Yeah, not, 7%. not too shabby. Um, some big movies coming out have already dropped reviews. So we won't do that. But one movie that comes out later this month, May 20th, Cruella, Disney's Cruella. Um, let's do the Rotten Tomatoes game for that. I have not made my prediction yet. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Now, one interesting thing you said before we started recording, you've actually heard good things about Cruella. Is that right? They have, I guess the social media embargo has been lifted and critics that I have seen in may or may not take seriously, gave this better reviews than I expected. I'm still going to go moderately low. I'm going to say 72%. Okay, interesting. Um, because I was, uh, yeah, I, I'm i going to adjust my score just a little bit because I was going to say 70, but I'm going to go... I mean, if you want to do 70, do it. No, I, I'll i go, I'm going to go down because my initial feeling was that it would be lower. And that was before hearing you say that about uh, the reception, initial reception right now so far. And then uh, your score, I'm going to say 65. Not 65. too shabby. Now, one actor in this is Paul Walter Hauser, Ooh. who is a good guy, a funny guy, a good actor, as we've seen in Clint Eastwood's film. Jewel. Um, what was that called? Richard Jewel. Yeah, he's in Defy Bloods, too. He's good in that. He was on a show called Kingdom. I keep hearing how good he is in this, too. He's that's a awesome. scene stealer. That's good. So that's good to hear. Yeah, that's very good, because we need we need more of Richard, Richard Jewel in our lives. Do we want to also predict the brand new movie that will save cinemas, Fast 9? We could. There's already like six reviews online, and it's 33% currently. I think this looks terrible. So I'm going to also guess a low number, Fast 9. Hmm. I'll say... I'll say 42%. I'll say I'll say 41%. I don't know why that 1% makes a difference, but I'll I'll drop it down to 41. So, the last one, Fate of the Furious, uh, because it's interesting the score started going up after a while, and as I told you before recording this, I've uh, started watching the Fast and Furious movies. Um the scores were actually pretty high in the 80s until Fate of the Furious and that dropped to 67%. So I think we're on the downward spiral at this point. I'm going to say 19%. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It I'm looks good. it looks horrendous. I thought Fate was pretty bad. So it wouldn't surprise me if this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, and you think Fate was the worst of them, right? 
No, it's not the worst, but it's it's definitely bottom tier. I, I think Fast and Furious 2 is, or Fast 2 Furious. What do they call it? Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> that one's Loves. pretty bad. Yeah, that was good. So I, I ended up watching that last night, actually. It's entertaining bad, but it's still, of these movies, is, is I think, probably the bottom. I don't know. Faith's pretty bad. I uh, I will give you a status update as I make my way through the series because I really haven't really... I've not had much interest watching these. And then with this new one, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll... Now's my chance. But I'm kind of wondering if this movie tanks, what will we do with no more Fast and Furious movies? Well, there's one more anyway, so it doesn't even matter. This is $2 true. and they're going to do one more. It's one last film. <laughs> One last ride, just for Vin Diesel. But, all right, well, I think that's going to take care of us for this episode of Quality Check. Drew, anything else you want to talk about? Any excitement for uh, for moving? No. I, you, you jokingly said we're, we're this is our swan song. We will continue doing this show. It's just that we might have a little hiatus while I move. Well, best of luck, Drew, on, on moving and packing and doing all of that cross-country uh, your new cross-country adventure. Uh, I'm excited for you. It's going to be sad for you to end up uh, leaving, especially us not being able to go to the theaters and um, now that theaters are reopening, but I'm excited for you guys. Well, film fans, thanks for joining us on this episode of Quality Check Podcast. And until next time, keep watching. Keep watching.